Thank you for choosing this Dream Center podcast. Don't forget to subscribe for further updates. I want to keep this scripture on your radar. Though this isn't my text I'll be talking from this morning. This is the main text of the, the whole series of getting into the boat. And it says that when Jesus, in Matthew 8 verse 18, when Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. Then a teacher of the lake came in and, and, and said to him, teacher, notice the type of people that were speaking here. I'll follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. What was Jesus was saying is, I'm not putting down roots, I'm keeping moving. Many Christians want to be static. They want to stay in one place, do the same thing. But the son of God has a mission on his life and he has to keep moving in order to fulfill the father's mission upon his life. Then he said, another disciple said to him, Lord, let me go and bury my father. But Jesus told him, follow me and let the, bed, the dead bury their own dead. That sounded very harsh. I was at a funeral only on Friday. And I can imagine if God would have said that to the family, that would have been harsh. Let the dead. But what he was saying is, dead things are over. Those things are past. It's, you need to recognize what I'm doing in your midst today. Who it is who's speaking today demands today's response for tomorrow's results do you understand that what how you decide today will determine tomorrow's results so what's dead is dead it's gone you can you can reflect upon on that thing and and we know those things that we reflect upon are very dear to us they're very very dear to us but jesus was was trying to help us to see beyond that and help us to see from his perspective that the kingdom of god is advancing and it's the forceful men and women who advance that kingdom. And there's a time for mourning. There's a time for reflecting. But Jesus was trying to say, look, I don't have time for that at this point in time. I've got to keep moving. I'm about my father's business. He was on the clock. He was on the clock. You and I don't recognize the power of the clock. We think we've got all day. But we never know when our hour or time. A friend of mine who, who we went to the funeral yesterday, 50 years of age, had a heart attack part of my youth group and that's life that's life we're here today gone tomorrow then he got into the boat and, and his disciples followed him thank goodness for that without warning a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat but jesus was sleeping the disciples went and woke him saying lord save us what the heck are you doing sleeping we're drowning and he replied you have little faith you dead legs Paraphrase version. Why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves and it was completely calm. Then the men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obeyed him. And here's the issue. When Jesus speaks to us like he has this morning, he did speak to us this morning, did he not? He always speaks to raise the bar in your life. He always speaks to raise the bar because where you are at and how you've been living, you settle. The thing about life is this, we settle. There's pioneers and there's settlers. And most of us are settlers. And we settle for something. We settle for the status quo. We settle for so many things. But when the word comes, it comes to raise the bar. Raise the bar in our life all the time. God is raising the bar. 
Because the standards always need to come to where he is. What did I say to you many times? When we're young Christians, or I should say when we're unbelievers and we just become a Christian, God has to come to us. Because we don't know how to communicate with him. But once we start the journey, God never expects, God doesn't come to us. He expects us to rise to where he is. That's called maturity. We rise to his level. But immaturity says, you must always come to where I am. But maturity says, I will rise. I will do something with what you're giving me. I will do something with what you're teaching me. I'll do something. So it rises. So when the word comes, it comes to lift us up closer to the Father. That's why it comes. However, however, there's always an issue of who God uses to speak to us in order for him to raise that bar becomes a different issue. Now, you see, one of the hardest things for a congregation to do is to keep listening to the same guy. It's so difficult for children to keep listening to the parents because it's the same voice. So mum and dad try to change the frequency by screaming, yelling, bawling, hoping that volume equals authority. But volume doesn't, does it not? So... Different voices sometimes have a way of penetrating us where the same voice sometimes just keeps hitting that brick wall. True? And it's difficult sometimes for the congregation to hear God through the mouth of a pastor or whoever it is who's speaking. It doesn't have to always be the pastor. And because of that, we tend to reduce what God is saying to us because often we, we judge what God is saying by the vessel speaking. True? Sam, see, every time you listen to somebody speak, the first thing you do is size them up. You listen to the tone of voice. See, see to me, tone is everything. When I listen to a speaker, I'm listening for a certain tone. I don't want to listen to monotone. I don't want to listen to beige. I want bright and beautiful. I want someone who can communicate to me. Now, hopefully, my challenge to you is that I... Try and do that to the best of my intention and to the best of my ability. Can't say I always do it, but I try, nevertheless. But for you listening to me, you think, oh, he's up again. And you become like the children who knows their father uh, or mother and they say, oh, mum's on one again, dad's on one again. True? As children, you know when your mum and dad's on one. True? Or your kids are on one. So as the pastor, sometimes it's always difficult to try and communicate, or sometimes it's difficult to try and communicate what is in the heart of the father. It's difficult and it's difficult for you to sometimes to keep receiving what God is saying because we've reduced what God is saying down to the human level. True. And some people, I say some, not all, <clears throat> some people, uh, you know, think, think to themselves, well, God only spoke to Moses, Daniel, the prophets of old. He can't speak to our pastor. He speaks to all of us now. And yes, God speaks to all of us. But there has to be a point in, in a church where God can use a man to be his voice. So that for the instruction and edification of the saints. And I didn't choose God, God chose me. So some people see their pastor as being just the encourager. Some people see him as the educator. Others see him as the persuader. Others still see him as the motivator. But to see that it can be a mouthpiece for God, sometimes creates tension in the hearts of people. So therefore, they reduce what God's saying, which ultimately delays what God can do in us all. That's why they reckon uh, that 
most pastors, and Tiffany will bear me out on this, this is the, the, uh, the wife-to-be, um, most pastors in America change churches, I think, every six to eight months. Many times I've read. They don't last longer than six to eight months. In England, it's normally two years. But it takes five years for a congregation to buy into the pastor and what he's saying. Now, if he hasn't done this five years, the people never really buy into what he's saying because he's moving all the time. Now, if you're a member of the clergy in England, they move you around every two years or three years. So you never really get a chance to do anything or take anyone anywhere. So the challenge to us as a church is to get, leave the beach, get into the boat and cross to the other side. Now you can't get people off the beach, into the boat and across the other side if people are distorting the message in the man. Or the man is misreading the people. God has to be able to speak to us through any one of us. This morning Mary stood up. We heard God. This morning we heard past testimony. We saw God. We heard God. We saw God. I didn't wear the dress. It wasn't me. But we heard God in every one of us. That's how God should be able to speak in his house. So when people speak, God is all the time confirming that it's, that it's him who's speaking. And that we need to leave where we are to get into the boat to pursue the mission upon our lives. True? And we're finding ways and ways and ways to keep saying what God is saying to us in the hope of if we keep saying it, some of us will catch it. Because you never say anything once or twice. People have to be repeatedly told. Now, the bright and smart ones always get it first time. And I was never one of them. That's why God has to keep speaking to me. Because maybe you might be like that, but I'm not always like that. God has to speak to me two or three times for me to understand what he said. I hear him, but to understand him is another thing. But if you go in your Bible to John chapter 5, I want you to see something here. John chapter 5, verse 24. It says, I tell you the truth. Whoever hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. This is Jesus speaking. He has crossed over from death to life. Now, whenever God speaks to us, what does he do? He comes to raise the bar in our life. And by raising the bar, he crosses us over from death to life, to the abundant life. Okay? So the abundant life is received in stages, in process. And how is it received? Every time we hear his word. Every time we receive his word, the bar is raised, death is distinguished, and life materializes. That's why his word must keep coming to us time after time. Let's pick it up here. I tell you the truth, the time is coming and has now come when even the dead will hear his voice of the Son of God. And those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to judge because he is the Son of Man. Don't be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good will rise to live, and those who have done evil will rise to be condemned. Both people will rise, but they'll go their own way, their way, what they chose. 
But notice here, listen to the words that we have here. We have the living and we have the dead. But the dead who are in Christ can hear his voice. How can you be dead and still hear the voice of God? You can be alive and not hear the voice of God. But here we have a group of people who are dead and yet can still hear the voice of God. So the dead have advantage in some cases over the living. Because right now, there are some of you are not even hearing what I'm saying. It's all gone quiet now. Hold on, don't go for the panic button. Some can listen, but do not hear. True? These guys are dead, but they'll hear. The guy we buried on Friday, he'll, have, he'll be able to hear. Because I know he followed God. I know he did. His testimony speaks for itself. But then, the living can be the dead, and the dead can be the living. Yes? We see a man in the Bible by the name of Lazarus. There was a point when Lazarus was sick, and then he ended up dead. And in John 11, verse 11, he says, after he had said this, Talk about Lazarus. He went, Jesus, sorry. He went on to tell them. What did he go to tell them? Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. But I'm going there to wake him up. So it sounds like he's naturally asleep. Then Jesus replied, Lord, if he sleeps, will he get better? Jesus, been, Jesus had been speaking of his death. But his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So he then told him plainly, Lazarus is dead. Your brother Lazarus is dead. Now we know, spiritually speaking, we can be alive but spiritually dead. Yes? But we can't be spiritually alive and spiritually dead. If we're spiritually alive, we've got to be spiritually alive. What constitutes us being alive is being able to hear, discern and obey. What constitutes us being alive is we're able to hear. We're set up internally to be able to receive. So we can receive what the Father's saying. We can process it for us and we can obey it. If we just hear us only, we're in trouble. So we have to be more than just hearers. But this group of people here, they were dead. But in the end, they will be able to hear God's voice. This is the hope that we give to people when they pass from one life to the next. We say that there'll come a time when the dead in Christ will rise. Why? And how do the dead in Christ rise? That open, I mean, that's a whole bunch of, that's a subject on its own. That's not my point this morning. But I can be dead and yet still alive to the voice of God, even though my body's gone the way of the earth. Thank God. Why? Because there's something of Christ inside me that never dies. Christ's spirit never dies. The flesh dies, but the spirit remains. And when he said this, he called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out. The dead could hear the living voice. The preceding word over Lazarus's voice was to come out. This morning, 
We've been hearing the word that the, the, the stone has been turned away. With this morning, we heard the word of God saying, if you want my presence, I don't just turn up for meetings. I walk with people who are willing to walk with me and allow me to work in them. That's the word. That's the word to us. We can't just be Sunday meeting presence dwellers. We're livers of the truth. So the word came to us, Lazarus, come out. So whenever the preceding word comes, it comes to raise the bar. Death was limiting Lazarus. Death was containing him. This morning, we pushed death, sickness, financial restraints, job opportunities. We pushed them out of our territory. Why? Through the preceding word. The preceding word is to, is to leave the beach, get in the boat, and go to the other side. And each one of them has a powerfully, powerful story you can unpack. And I've been trying to do that all these weeks. Because I don't want to give you any reason why not to leave the beach. I don't want to leave you, I don't want to leave you any reason why you should abandon ship. Amen? No matter how much water's coming in, no matter what kind of storm's coming, stay in the boat. Leave the beach, get in the boat, cross over. Sounds really easy. It's not, but we don't. That's why the word has to come to us. So, The dead man came out, his hands and feet were wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus told them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. That's what we were doing this morning in the spirit, taking off some stuff that was hindering us. See that? Because death will always try and contain us, whether physical or spiritual. See, a man dies spiritually first before he dies physically. He can die in his spirit before he passes over. A lot of people think, well, he only dies when he, when he physically dies. No, spiritually you can die through disobedience, sin. All those kind of things can create spiritual death within us. So it's amazing when the words of Jesus comes to our lives, telling us to leave the beach, get into the boat, crossing over, that he knows exactly the condition that your life is in when he talks to you. I love that about Jesus. He doesn't wait till you get clean before he calls you. He tells you now, in knowing full well what you're wrestling with, what you're dealing with, what your limitations are, he knows it all. And yet he still says, get off the beach, get in the boat. Because he knows what's coming. He cares for us enough. He doesn't wait till we're in a certain place before he deals with us. He takes us where we are, on location, with what we're dealing with. And he just takes us and works with us en route. See, the thing about the Christian walk is this. God doesn't wait for you. God has to get you moving. And he works with you when you're moving. Do you ever try and work with clay when the, when the wheel's not moving? As the, as the clay, as, sorry, as, the, as the, uh, the machine's moving, it's easy to shape and form. Try and push your car. Right? How much easier does the steering become the faster you move? Right. God doesn't wait for you to be cleaned up he works with us en route just as you are but God if you knew God if you knew God if you knew what was in my heart you wouldn't choose me God says I did see you I saw you reprobate and I still love you and I'll still work with you because I've got more faith about you than you have in me right now but it will change it will change and I love that about God that God knows my weakness God knows my hidden thoughts and knows my secrets. And you don't, but he does. And yet he still allows me to keep on doing what I'm doing. Amen. 
The reason why dead believers are active, because they can hear say, because alive Christians can keep hearing God say, come forth. You've been hearing me say, come forth. This whole thing about crossing over is a voice that's saying, come forth. Keep coming, keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. When do we arrive? When we all get into Zion. Keep coming, keep coming. But I, I keep moving. Yes, because it's one perpetual movement. Keep moving. Come forth. Even in your dead state, you must hear God say, come forth. Lazarus, keep moving. Why? Because your time has not yet come. This is for the glory of God. It's all about the glory of God. When you rise in your situation, it'll all be for the glory of God. Amen? We don't want God to speak to our flesh. We want God to speak to us in our spirit. But so many of here, so many try to hear God in their flesh. You know, if you've got natural hearing disorder, we can create a system called a loop system, which can enable those who are hard of hearing to receive. Nick will tell you the, the technology behind that. All I know is called the loop system. But if you are hard of hearing and you don't wear a system, so you don't wear the technology, then you're still going to be hard of hearing. But let's just say you don't need a system, but you're still hard of hearing. There's no system in the world that can help you. No system. And so many, of the, so many churches are filled with people listening to the preacher, but they're not hearing God. They're listening to the voice of the man, but they're not hearing God behind the man. Why? Because they've reduced him. So Romans 8 says this. I know you like this verse. Every now and then, every bit of sandwich has to have a little bit of sweetness in it to keep you alive. Romans 8 verse 11. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in where? You. Is, it, is he alive in you this morning? Is he is it living? Living means it wasn't, alive, it wasn't once alive, but now dead. Is it living in you? Right, well then it must do something. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to whose body? Your mortal body. So even though your flesh is mortal, there's a spirit dynamic that God wants to give to you. Yes? That overrides any physical protocol. That's why in the spirit you can rise above the flesh. That's why in the spirit you can speak to the flesh. Why? Because the flesh is not the highest form. Spirit is the highest form. Why? Because spirit came from God. Flesh came from God, but flesh, the way God has designed flesh, it has a sell-by date. But spirit has eternity. Amen? So he says this, I'll give, your, I'll give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit. Who lives in you? Where does he live? In you. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation. Oh, oh, hold on to it. But it's not to the sinful nature, the flesh nature, to live according to it. No, no, no. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. And when you're dead, spiritually and physically, you can't hear his voice. But if you, but if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. So one has to take preeminence over the other. One has to take authority over the other. Amen? So, 
Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. Those who are led by the Spirit. Led means those who who walk with Him and allow Him to work within them. Led means you're moving. It's continuous. It's ongoing. It's not something you did 20 years ago. It's something you are today. Does that make sense? So we have to keep on moving. And then he says this. For if, if you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear. We banish fear this morning. Why? Because we're no longer slaves to it. But you receive the spirit of sonship. And the cry that comes within our hearts that says, Abba, Father, only sons can cry that. Only sons and daughters can cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself then testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. So the life that's with the Father is also in us. Amen? So when God calls, even though we're dead, the life that's still within us cries out, Abba! There's no... Go back to Romans. What can separate us from the love of God? Can life, death? No. Death can't separate us. Why? Because life has begun in us. So whether you're in the farthest side of the earth or in the deepest chasm of life, death cannot separate us because life is in us. So when he calls out from the other side, no one can measure how far the other side is. It doesn't matter. Because wherever we are, we can hear the cry of God calling to us. And just like children, we cry out, Abba! Abba, Father! We search for Him. Because life is in us. And it quickens our mortal bodies. You see that? This is why it's so important that we must keep hearing God in the spirit, not in the flesh. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children... Then he gets better. Then he, then he says, look what you've got. Not what you could have had. Look what you've got. In Christ, we are heirs and co-heirs. Partners. What is, what's his is mine. But we don't like the other part. What's mine's his. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. It's all about his glory. Amen? When we're set up like this, when God is allowed to set us up internally, excuse me, communication's not a problem. Whatever we are, whatever situation, we can hear his voice. But the issue is, can the son, can the daughter cry out, Abba, Father, my Father, our Father. See, our Father who, who are, is in heaven, he's not just in heaven, he's in here. Amen? And every time we hear his voice speak to us, what does it do? It quickens us. See, after Mary shared and, and Pat shared, it quickened my spirit. I felt encouraged that God's gone ahead of us. God has gone ahead of us and has rolled away the stone. Now, God is speaking to us. That can be discerned in so many dimensions. It can be understood in God has rolled away the stone for us as a house so we can keep moving forward. He can, and in that word, whenever you hear a word spoken to us, it's for us and for you. Hello? If I come to you and say, the Lord would say unto you, David, who's he speaking to? Why? Because he used the word David. I was just being the postman to David. So David gets the word. 
But when God speaks to us from a platform, God is speaking to us. Your job is to take the word and apply it for your life. So it's for us corporately and it's for us individually. That's why the table of God is so important to us. It's the place where we feed. And everyone takes their portion according to their appetite. Amen. It can be a buffet. It can be as eat as much as you want. Or it can be a McDonald's. But guess what? We don't serve happy meals. We serve meals, but not happy meals. We don't serve Kentucky Fried Chicken. We don't serve Kentucky Fried Gospel. That's not our portion. We give what we feel heaven is speaking to us. So when God's word comes, it quickens us. It makes us alive. It gets our attention. So as the preceding word comes to us, it says, get in the boat. Now the kids say, why? Why do I need to go? I don't want to go there. If you knew where you were going, you'd say, I'm not going there. I've been there. I don't like that. God says, it ain't a question of me dialoguing with you to say where we're going, what's on the other side. It's enough for you to say, if I say, get off the beach, it's enough. It's enough. God knows that that beach might not be there tomorrow. Get off the beach, leave this place, because I'm not working here anymore, I'm moving. Get in the boat. Well, I don't like boats. I didn't ask you if you like boats. Well, Lord, can you not put me on a cruiser, the love boat? No, 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 no. This is not that kind of love ship that I'm looking for. Just get in the boat. The boat is the corporate house. Get in. Make a decision to keep on moving. Get in the boat. Well, I don't like the storm. Hey, guess what? I'm in the boat. Shut up. Yeah, but you're asleep. But even when I'm asleep, I'm still awake. Unlike you, when you're asleep, you're dead to the world. That storm could never take us out. Why? Because I'm in the boat, you muppet. Duh. But you see, the disciples, like you and I, didn't understand that. Why? Because fear ruled their territory. The more you know God, the greater the conflict can become and you don't panic because you know he's in the boat with you. True? This is the year to, to show some faith. It really is. It's not just a year. We should have always been showing faith. But it's a time when we've got to start showing God that if we start pushing out with vision, you've got to have some faith. I'm going to attempt some things this year. When I say I, you know what I mean, we. We're going to attempt something so much that's going to stretch us and create all kinds of, I'll say natural fear, which has to be overcome because you won't achieve anything without faith. You won't. God has to put us in the most awkward place so that something will cry out. Abba! So faith can rise. If it's too comfortable, why would we ever want to change? You see, it's not fun eating the same food every day, is it? Right. If I kept feeding you the same food, guess what? You wouldn't come. So as the nature of the food changes, so does the nature of the situations it creates. True? Broccoli goes to work inside your system. It attacks every kind of thing that's against you. Does it not? Whatever's in broccoli starts doing your body good. It starts cleansing and purging. That's what the word does to us. But you know what my mother says? Keep eating it, son. It does you good. All I have to do is believe what she's telling me. Because millions of people are doing it. That doesn't always make it right. But 
I know nutritionists have said broccoli does me good. Sprouts do me good. But I hate the suckers. But they tell me the more I keep eating it, the healthier it'll become. But when I feel good, I don't, I don't turn around and say, that's because I ate me broccoli. The results speak for themselves. True? When you do what God asks you, and then later on when you're in a summer, there's a summer over your life, you don't accredit that the days that when you did the things you didn't want to do. You just enjoy the summer. Let the benefits take after themselves. True? So in Hebrews it says, 4 verse 2, Hebrews 4 verse 2, talking about the Israelites, he said, For we also have heard the gospel preached to us just as they did. Now there's a comparison being made. But the message they heard was of no value to them because those who heard it did not combine it with faith. There's many messages you and I have heard. Many. And we've not had the result that that message should have produced. Is it fair to say that? Why? Because we did not combine it with faith. Yet others heard it and produced something in their life with it. True? That's why God is merciful and, and, and you keep reading in the Bible, and the word of the Lord came again. And the word of the Lord came again. Because God knows each individual's limitations, understanding, and he works with us. You know why? Because God's got eternity. He believes in you far better than you believe in him. And it's amazing how God trusts us and allows us on planet earth. It really is. Yeah. And I said to you a couple of weeks ago, it's amazing how we can all hear the same sound coming from the one man's voice. But we all hear a different word. And we, we all hear a different word because it's not being combined with faith. Faith, faith is the hope and substance, even though we don't see it. Our hearts, the eyes of our heart are seeing it and latch onto it. So when the stone is rolled away, your heart right now, some of us don't hurt enough to grab hold of a word. Some of us don't hurt enough to listen. That's true. That is so true. It's amazing how many prodigals we all know. People who are backslid. And their lives are a total mess. And yet they still refuse to listen. You know why? Because they haven't tasted enough dung. Seriously. Another word, C-R-A-P, is a word I won't speak, but it speaks for cares, riches, and pleasure. Until we've tasted enough of those things and we've been bit by those things, we will not change the way we listen. Think about it. Do you hurt enough to listen? No one likes pain. And if you do, come and see me afterwards. I can give you a lot. But I love what Hebrews says to us in Hebrews twelve twenty three To the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven, you have come to God, the judge of men, of all men, to the spirits of righteous men made perfect. There's a place where God is making something perfect. The things that are flawed, the things that are hurt, the things that are damaged, the things that are out of kilter, there's a place where God is putting those things right. And it starts with us hearing his word. As we start hearing his word, we make that journey towards letting go, giving in, so we can make the journey. 
Amen? We can't just keep hearing the words being spoken to us. We must begin to catch the Spirit when He's moving in our own hearts. You see, what we, we need to understand, and every one of us needs to understand, is this. God has already crossed over. God is already on the other side. Even though he's in the boat, he's already crossed over. Why? Because he can be everywhere. God has already crossed over. So the one who is calling you is not calling you from a static position. He's everywhere. He's in us. He's in the boat. He's on the other side. The one who is calling you to get off the beach, the beach of safety, the be, the, uh, the beach of procrastination, the beach of laziness, the beach of undecisiveness, the beach of unyieldedness. And we could go on and on and on describing what the beach means. Get off it. Leave it. Get away from it. It'll kill you. The tide comes in and washes and takes you out again. Then you're lost in the sea of hopelessness. So many people are living on the beach. Why? Because it's where the sun it's where they can lie, lie around all day. Now we know those things are not bad for the time. But we can't live our lives like that. Because we're not called to live life on the beach. We're called, we're called to live life on the other side. Amen. But he's already been. And we need to understand this. God's assignment is just as strong today as the first day he spoke it to the Israelites. God's will God's strength and determination, God, we've got to understand that God did not involve man when he created his will. He didn't have a negotiation ceremony with man to determine whether his will was right or not. God decided his will and then brought man in on it. God's never going to debate with you what he's saying is right or wrong. He says it and that's it. He leaves it up to you to decide whether you'll listen to it or not. Stop arguing and debating with God because you won't get the answers. I've been down that route, I know. And then I say, well, God, if you really love me, you'll come and get me. God says, walk on by. He doesn't play that game. God doesn't chase you. He's too busy. But if he loved me, he would. No, that's your humanity. Expecting God to chase you. Hello? You see, because we're set up, if she loves me, she'll pursue me. She's thinking the same. And guess what? Well, you two are having that debate, someone gets in. And you lose the one that your heart loved. And while you were hanging around, she thought, I can't hang around with your indecision. I'll find a man who's decisive. Oh. Oh. See, when I was dating Carol, we dated Carol for so, I dated Carol for so long that... We're just procrastinating in our relationship. So we decided that we don't, we're not going to go with marriage. We're just going to go our own way. Within a couple of months, I realized what I was missing. So then you run back hoping that someone hasn't taken your place, Celia. <laughs> you know, you run back thinking, oh, Cecilia, someone's taking, you're breaking my heart. So you run back hoping that she's still going to have affection towards you. But you know that? Then I came back and then I had to make a decision. We either do it today, in other words, we decide today we're going to get married, or it's over. But you know, I realized what I was missing. I didn't tell her that, obviously. You know, come on, guys, wise up. Man up, come on. She always says to me, 
You know, you'd be lost without me. I said, absolutely. She's absolutely right. I give her the credit there. But you know, sometimes you have to lose something before you discover what your, your heart really wants. And uh, we, don't, we shouldn't have to go that way, but stupidity takes us that way, doesn't it? So, for this reason, Ephesians says, I kneel before the Father. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. For this reason, I know Phil used this scripture, as did I uh, the other week. For this reason, I kneel before the Father. What a great place to kneel before your Father. From him, his whole family in heaven on earth derives its name. And I'm praying that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power. Where? Through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love. May have the power together with all the saints to grasp, to understand, to go deeper with God. How wide, how long and how high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. You see, something's got to take you past your own human understanding. That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And let me finish by saying this. Are you ready to write this down? Because this is going to be our task this week. We must stop asking God to do something for us. And start asking him to do something in us. We've got to, I don't hear enough people talk about this. I hear a lot of people asking God and showing principles of asking God for things. And, none, and that's not wrong because we've been doing that this morning. But you know the body of Christ really rises up. And really a church that's in the boat crossing Heading towards the other side is a church that's learned to ask God, God, do something in me. Do something in me. Because that is the sound of a mature son who's crying, Abba, Father. I haven't got time to take you into the next part I was, I was going to take you into. But something inside of us has got to cry, Abba, Father. Abba, Father, do something. Don't do something for me, do something to me. Change my ways. Do something so fundamentally um, impacting that I'm never, the, I'm never the same again and this morning we hear right from the beginning that God does nothing unless he first makes a man who, who knows how to walk with God and allows him to work in the man my friends this week I encourage you I implore you as a man of God as an individual as a pastor to stand before God and say, Father, this week, I will not ask you for anything other. My prayer alone this week will be, Lord, do something new in me. Do something deep within my heart that transforms me, that makes me a new person, a new creation. Let this new creation cry out. Let the new creation cry out, Lord, do something new in me this week. Bring me to the next level. Don't leave me at this place. Don't leave. I don't want to stay on the beach. I might be scared of getting in the boat, but Lord, do something in me so profound that I will combine what I've heard with faith. And with my faith, I'll take a step and I'll get in the boat. And I'll leave the shores of safety. I'll row out into the deep. I'll trust you and your word for my life and for my family's life. And I'll trust you, whatever the storm comes, I know I'll not be alone. Lord, can you do something 
deep within my heart that will cause me to walk this journey with you. Do something new, Lord. There's an old song we used to sing many years ago by Chris Bowater. Do something new. Do something new. I only want to live for your, your pleasure now. And I can't remember all the words. I did well remembering the first line, you know, but do something new. I've got it upstairs on a CD. But the cry has to come. There has to be a different cry amongst us as a church this morning to say, Lord, do something new in our hearts. And, you know, every time we keep telling God about what we haven't got, God knows that. You know that, don't you? You're not telling him. Stop telling him what he already knows. Stop telling him what he already knows. And start asking him to do something that you don't know. Though you've never seen it before. Let him roll a stone away. Let, let him cry out to the deep that's within you. The pain, the hurt, whatever it is. Come forth. Lazarus, come out. Let him free you. Don't wait for a Sunday morning for a word to come. Learn to transact with God on your own. So that when you're with us corporately, everything that's said is just confirming the journey you're on. Amen. Sunday isn't the rallying point to determine which way you're going. It should confirm. It's the confirming voice. It's not always the leading voice. Amen. Let's rise to our feet. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. For more information, go to www.thedreamcentre.co.uk.